Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast, where we help you get clarity, build skills, enhance your character, curate your environment, take daily massive action, and develop a positive mindset. Join our community by heading over to workwithtimmydouglas.com and get our free book and list of questions that will help you build an impactful and purposeful life. Enjoy the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Devannon Hubert, who is an author and podcast host. Devannon, how are you doing? Marvelous, my darling. Marvelous. How are you? I am doing well. Thanks so much for asking. And we like to jump right in. So if you could start with just telling us a little bit more about yourself, what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Um, I do a lot of praying and meditating for fun. <laughs> These days, I've been in, in in a lot of purposeful isolation, uh, going through a lot of changes that have happened this year. You've already stated, you know, I'm, I host the Sex, Drugs, and Jesus podcast. I wrote the Sex, Drugs, and Jesus memoir. My retail line is downunderapparel.com. So I'm a highly spiritual person, and that is a lot of my fun time when I'm not playing Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> and what was that retail line called again? Downunderapparel.com. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, tell us about Sex, Drugs, and Jesus, the podcast and the book. Well, the podcast started because of the uh, book. I was writing the book, and then I became aware that if you're going to write a book, you probably need to have a show so you can do your own free cross-marketing and promotion. Then I fell in love with podcasting. The book came about because of everything that I went through when I um, was in Texas. That's when I ended up being homeless. That's when I was a drug dealer. That's when I went through a lot of tough life lessons. That's when I got kicked out of Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas over there for not being straight. And then I had like this whole nervous breakdown and it was a hot damn mess really. And so the book chronicles everything from like my childhood up till about maybe like 10 years ago. And it's just like a, a real ass memoir. It's super gritty. It's intense. There's needles, there's drugs, there's, there, there's, it's, 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 it's not something to read if you're trying to be cute. I gotcha. I gotcha. So you were dealing drugs. You got kicked out of Lakeway for not being straight. Got it. <laughs> Dive into the story and you were homeless. So tell us tell us about the story. Where where did things start going south? And then kind of how did you come back up out of being homeless, isolated, and a drug dealer? Things started going south. I don't know, maybe when I was in the military, because that's covered in there too. Maybe it was when I was growing up and my dad used to hit me. I don't know. You know, so, um, but in terms of just there in Texas, I, I severely underestimated the effect it had on me when they called me in there and fired me from volunteering because they found on my MySpace page that I wasn't straight. I didn't understand religious trauma. It was nowhere near being in the DSM, you know, or nothing like that. Um, and what I did was I tried to go out into the streets and replace the community that I had lost from church. I did not realize that we as humans seek out community. That's what gangs are. That's what all kinds of, you know, nefarious circles are. It's just another type of family. So I took all the time that I used to be at Lakewood over 10 hours a week and just started going to the club and shit more. I was like, oh, well, I guess I can twirl now and turn up. And that just led me to people who were just like not really true but then again then the people in church weren't really all that true either so it was like well shit <laughs> and so yeah. 
So that led to to, to selling the drugs because I'm just a natural entrepreneur. You know, you know, I start I started doing drugs for the first time after I got kicked out of church. I hadn't realized it then, but I was trying to numb that pain. Then in the midst of me becoming reckless post-church, because everything I used to say no to, I started saying yes to out of just pure rebellion. And so then that led me to getting hepatitis B, HIV. And then the thing that really made me snap even further, when I got HIV, the doctor left my positive diagnosis on a voicemail on New Year's Eve. And so I was never brought into an office or anything like that. And I just went off the deep end. I thought I was going to die and all of this. So when my mind fell like that, then I started making worse decisions as a drug dealer, which led to SWAT coming to kick the door in with the canines and the helicopters and the white vans and everything, dealing with the informants. And then when you get out of jail from that, it's not like you can actually go back to the place you were living when the SWAT came to get you. And so <laughs> since it was an apartment. And then I just had lost the will to live. So in between being HIV positive, hepatitis B positive, not taking medicine, thinking that I had to die. And now I just didn't have the strength to go find somewhere else to live. And I was too ashamed to go home and ask for help. So to the streets I went because I, I thought I would be dead in a few months anyway. Dang. That was a, that was a lot. And so <laughs> was the trigger you getting kicked out of church? for that stint of your life or was it something before that? So in the, in the spiritual world, we talk about these things called like karmic cycles. Some people might want to call them generational curses. Some people who believe in past lives go down that route. The, uh, the bullshit started, I would say probably with Maybe like with my dad, because my dad's like a, like a narcissist cheating sort of person, yeah. you know. And so when you're raised in an environment like that, you're exposed to so much negative energy, you get accustomed to it and conditioned to it, whether you think you are or not. And then it makes you pick situations that al allow for more abuse to come into your life until you can recognize the conditioning and start to break away from it. And so... Going from my dad's house and also being raised Pentecostal where everything is the devil, you know, going to the military, which put me in another situation where everything you're judged for, getting out, going to church, which is probably the most judgmental fucking place on earth. <laughs> it was a blessing to get kicked out of there because it, it caused me to wake up to, to what the church really is. Um. It was a it was a crucible moment and it kind of like all came together because everything changed. Like I never I really began to reevaluate life on a different level, but still leaving the church to go and pick on the, the, the worst drug dealers to hang around. I was still picking people who were abusing me. And so I think it probably started when I was born because my dad was running around with some woman having an affair when my mom was pregnant with me. And so, um, but getting kicked out of church really made me snap because I did not expect to go to church and experience rejection <laughs> and pain and trauma, you know, from a, from, from a ho ass dude. Okay. Like my dad, so be it then if that's how he's going to be. 
you know, from even from the drug dealers, sure. But I wasn't supposed to go walk in church and get slapped in the face. That wasn't supposed to happen there. That's like going to a hospital and getting getting hurt. The doctor's not supposed to hurt you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so all of that, hell, I don't know exactly what was worse. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. And so tell us a little bit how you came out of that. So you got kicked out of the church. You ended up hanging out with drug dealers. Then the SWAT came. Did you go to jail when they came and how long? Oh, yeah. I mean, I had never been in trouble before. So the judge was like, OK, the first time I went to jail in 2012, it was just like overnight. That was for having like an eight ball of crystal meth on me. It was an illegal search and seizure. So the grand jury had to throw that out. The second time was a SWAT raid, but that was only five days. And then the third time was for like this whole check situation at Bank of America, which I'm banned from Bank of America from Bank of America for life because there's some mer merciless hoes over there. Um, but that was like two months. So that's like four felonies, three trips to jail in 2012. I had like seven years of probation, <laughs> even though they didn't send me to jail. And that was because basically I was a first time offender. And like a good Sagittarius, I went from like no criminal record to like four felonies all in one year. <laughs> Either we gonna be be motherfucking most wanted or not not at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> I got you. Apparently. Now the road back up took about 10 years. So my parents had to come to Texas to get me off the streets and <laughs> and they transferred my probation to Louisiana. So from Houston, Texas to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is where I live currently. Um part-time and um and then it just I had to start from the ground up man in in Texas I was working at Centerpoint Energy at the light company making like oh 30 to 70 dollars an hour depending now I'm a janitor <laughs> working at the Department of Veterans Affairs in a mental health therapy program because my record is so bad I can't get a job anywhere so we went from 70 an hour to minimum wage you know as a janitor and then I just worked my way back up from there to waiting tables, to getting going to school, to finish my massage therapy license, opening a massage therapy business, to writing the book when the pandemic came along, starting down under apparel while I was a janitor, because I was like, might as well finally try that business I always wanted to do now that I'm, now, now, now that I'm like broke. And it just took a lot of counseling a lot of therapy at the VA, a lot of spiritual time, a lot of reflection and everything. It took about five years for me to get back right with God after they kicked me out. And so it wasn't done overnight. It was a lot of VA programs, a lot of people, free housing and all kinds of stuff. It took a lot. Yeah, I got you. Well, I'm glad you climbed your way out because a lot of people don't. So I didn't climb my way out. I was carried. <laughs> I was pulled out, dragged out. I had to climb anywhere. This was this was me live relying on other people's strength. It took a community to bring me back to life. Yeah, I love that. I love that you recognize that because even I um I like helping people. I want to help a lot of people with my life. And then one of the things when I talk to other people about helping others, you always get to the point where it's like, well, people have to help themselves. I'm like, yes, people can, people need to make the choice to help themselves for sure, but we need to be there to support them and love them, do it to the best of our ability. And I think a lot of people use that they need to help themselves as a cop out 
to like doing what they can to the best of their ability in that person's life. Curious on your thoughts about that. People who speak like that have like a lack of empathy. You could be talking to like some like low key, high key narcissistic ass individuals. My dad, who I've already stated is a, is, is 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 definitely a narcissist, would say things like that. He would look at homeless people and be like, well, why don't they just fix it and go get um then I was all like, um <laughs> it's not that simple. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's just not that simple. Um, so when people say things like that, they haven't been through enough in life for them to understand true loss in true pain either that or they have been and their their mind is so dark that they completely miss the lesson <laughs> but the verbiage like that is very 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 detached i have probably close to like 130 reviews on amazon just on amazon on my memoir maybe two people said some dumb shit like like they read through my whole book and thought that i they they got a sense that i felt entitled out of it you know, there's nothing in in there that says that I felt like any that anyone owed me anything. I took ownership of everything. I blamed myself and I didn't ask for help. There's nothing in there that said everyone should have. But the way those two people's minds work, they view the world through those lens. And so when people say things like that, that's due to a dysfunction within them. It's like when you're dealing with a narcissistic person, they could literally light, light the house on fire, but it's going to be somebody else's fault. <laughs> like it, it, it doesn't matter because that's the way their minds work. You can't do anything to change that. Yeah. Well, tell us a bit more. We got a little bit of an understanding about your story. Tell us a little bit more about your motivation. What really gets you up and keeps you going every day? The fact that by, that had had for everything that I went through that I shouldn't still be here. Mm. And so, and so when when I was delivered from death a bunch of times on those streets, you know, guns, knives, and everything. It's like it's not my life. So whatever God wants me to do is what I'm going to do. So I get up to to be transparent. I get up to be transparent and not hold back details because secrets is what kill us and transparency is what delivers us. And there's too yeah. many people trying to be cute and act like they got it together and they don't. And so I am not ashamed to just come undone and fold the pieces like I had to this year all over my show when I broke up with 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 that narcissistic ass dude that I ended up being in a relationship with. And so I ended up in a mental hospital and everything this year over that. And so I get up every day to 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 challenge people to say the unpopular opinion, which is the most healthy opinion <laughs> and to get all up in people's faces with it. Yeah. There we go. Well, let's talk dreams and goals. What's your vision for your book, your business, and your life? Well, if we're talking about the memoir, because I have a free book online, too, on my website, Sex, Drugs, and Jesus, called Don't Call Me a Christian. And so um, for for my memoir, I mean, fuck, I want to sell a million copies, and I'd like it to turn into a movie one day. And so, but I'm also working on a poetry book and then a new book that has to do with the relationship that I was just referencing that I got out of. So, but personally, I want those books to change people's lives and to transform people's lives and for people to use it as a conversation piece within their families and their community networks to talk about things that need to be talked about. Okay. So as a conversation piece, 
for which topics specifically, if you had to prioritize them, which topics would you like your books to introduce into conversation for these families? Spiritual motivation would be at the top of the list because so many problems are, are really spiritual, emotional, you know, at their root, you know, but people are, people have a tendency to be spiritually lethargic or, and very casual when it comes to, uh, there's not a lot of like intent. You know, people are very intent on making money, finding somebody to sleep with, finding somebody to go on dates with, travel, food. But when it comes to, to the spirit, people are either like super like intentional about it. Like me and the circles I run in, are they blase? <laughs> you know, like kind of like, kind of like they think God should come and find them one day. And I'm like, well, you go find every damn thing else you want. So why he got to wait? But but see, the thing is, then people have a lot of problems. Like you can't say like cure. Like sometimes if somebody's like super overweight. It's not because they're overweight. It's because they have like depression and different things like that and different th going on. So you're trying to deal with physical problems that are really spiritual in nature, but you don't have an understanding of God or anything remotely spiritual. So you'll never get the victory. And yeah. so... So the first thing is people get themselves sorted out spiritually. That is the overarching theme of all that I do. Okay. Talk to us about getting sorted out spiritually. Does it look like some spiritual disciplines every day? Does it look like authenticity and community? What is it? What does it look like? If somebody was wanting to go from lethargic to intentional. I have class, free courses on my website, sexdrugsandjesus.com that helps people with the basics of just like, like prayer and the Bible study. But it, the first thing about that is alone time. For me, spiritual authenticity doesn't have anything at all to do with community. Because it's like if you're in an intimate relationship with somebody, your most important time is when, when you're by yourselves with them, not when you're out on a date in the middle of a movie theater. Mm -hmm. So church is cute if people insist upon doing that. But your um, most important time is alone. So it just means trying, praying. You could fast, you could uh, read a different religious, different, different spiritual text, a different thing, but it's about gaining knowledge. And it's just like dating God is just like dating somebody else. When you first try, it's awkward. It feels strange because you don't know them. You got to hang around God enough to begin to get familiar with him. And uh, um, just like you have to hang around a new person, you just meet to get familiar with them. It's literally no different. And so spiritual authenticity means doing it consistently, daily, trying new things. You can go on YouTube, find videos about different spiritual things. It's about putting forth the effort. Yeah. And it's going to look different <clears throat> for everyone. It's just about consistency. And it's one of those things, just like everything in life, man, the more you do it, the better you get at it. The more information you find, the more you grow. Yeah. I got you. So it's not, it's, there's no like uh, secret ingredient to this. It's a lot of the stuff that we hear about prayer, fasting, reading spiritual text, prioritizing that alone time. And just, you know, maybe it's a little bit uncomfortable in the beginning, but learning to sit in the discomfort and kind of get to know God and be honest with yourself and with God in that relationship. I got you. Well, cool, man. Right. Other... What did... <clears throat> oh, Go for it. I was going to say it was Blaise Pascal who said that all, all, all the world's problems stems from man's inability to sit quietly still alone in a room. Mm. <laughs> you see, so when it comes to 
when it comes down to spiritual things, you it's not so much about what you have to say, but it's about you sitting still and listening and being with your feelings. People are trying to escape their truth, their emotions. That is why the world is in a constant state of motion. Most people cannot just sit still because they sit still, then the pain catches up with them, the hurt catches up with them, you know, but that's not where truth lies. So people end up like kind of like on this hamster wheel motion, always busy, but never really progressing, you yep. see. And um, having a whole lot of money and things like that and a whole lot of sexual partners does not bring happiness. <laughs> you know, you have, you got to find that if you can't sit still quietly and just be happy by yourself, you got problems. Don't care about what your accomplishments are. <laughs> I got problems. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I agree. I agree. I think the sitting still, you know, especially because a lot of the problems that we're experiencing that we attribute to our physical environment or our surroundings or the people around us or whatever it may be, it really lies in a lot of how we interpret the stuff around us, which goes through that kind of emotional lens of the stuff that we haven't dealt with yet. So if we have some pain or we have some um, hurt, trauma, whatever it may be, and you're attributing problems to outside of you, you got to look at the lens that you're getting that stuff through. And that's probably attached to the emotion that you haven't resolved yet. And that's why it continues to hurt you or you continue to interpret it. Now, of course, some sometimes things are just, they're crappy and that is how it is. But a lot of times, you know, like getting super stressed and getting pissed off because you're late to work. There's, there's something else behind that. <laughs> there's something else behind that, like discontentment with your life and with the stress and with the performative nature of things. And so I, I'm just, uh, I agree with you that being able to sit with those emotions, resolve them, and then um, not even resolve them, just sometimes just sit with them. <laughs> like you don't even have to solve them all the time. It's something I'm learning. Um, but yeah, I'm right there with you. You know, the Oh, go for it. I dismissed I dismissed a friend that was like a 20-year friend from the military the other day because um I texted him something and I was supposed to go visit him and it was about like me not me needing to be babysit. Because when I go visit some people, sometimes they really start freaking out about whether or not they can take time off work. I don't ask people to take time off work. I'm like, all I need is a couch. They come with all this extra mm. stuff that I didn't even mention. But he responded with like violence, um, about how he was like gonna beat my ass and everything. And I said, Okay, but we don't do violence, sir. And I just blocked him by I don't take disrespect from nobody, not one word, instantly deleted. I don't care how long I've known you, because that's a choice. And so now what did he do? He got some clearly some unresolved anger issues because there's nothing I said that would that should have provoked him to want to physically hurt me. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's that type example. of thing. Having a having an old buddy look to sleep on your couch and then you go off. It's like it's something so small. It's not in proportion to the emotion you're now experiencing. So there's clearly something else at play. And mm -hmm. I think it happens in our everyday life. Like people are just getting angry and upset and they're screaming or they're crying or about small things. And it's like, dude, there's something you gotta sit with yourself. You gotta <laughs> sit with yourself. <laughs> For sure. So I love that example. Really drove the point home. Any other dreams or goals that you want to chat about? Right now we got 
you know, sell a million copies of the memoir, have it become a movie, finish your poetry book and the other book about your past relationship and then use the books to provoke conversation for multiple families about spiritual intentionality. Any other dreams or goals that you want to add to that? I don't know. The way you repeated that back to me sounds pretty fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. Well, uh, I'd like to get a... Um, I'd like to I'd like to expand my my clothing line on down under, you know, one of these days. That would be super great. Other than that, I'd like to get like a, a condo or a house in, in Puerto Vallarta so that my oldest cat can go outside like he wants to. I don't have to worry about him getting gobbled up or snatched up because I can't let him do that here in Baton Rouge. Yeah. <laughs> I got, what'd you call it in Puerto? What is it? Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Okay. If y'all haven't been there, y'all need to go to Puerto Rico. It's cheap as hell. The Ubers be like a dollar, bruh. Oh, wow. <laughs> the hell. The American money goes so far there. Most people only make like a few hundred dollars a month there. Mm. Like, like, trust me, you can go there and live, darling. Live. <laughs> there we go. There we go. And expanding the clothing, uh, the clothing line. Tell us about starting a clothing line and what it looks like to expand it. What's like, what's the business plan behind a clothing line? Do you just set it up on some drop shipping stuff and like set up a store and start trying to grow your social media or is there more to it? Well, in my case, I started in the flea market because that's just the way it went with back when I was a janitor. I didn't know about going online and everything Though we are online now and there is the more flea market. Drop shipping is definitely what I do. Um, and so it's like a hybrid thing. So you have a lot of manufacturers that will drop ship a whole lot of stuff and then also design their own. So I have like three boxer briefs that are down under apparel that, of my design and then the rest of the store. And we have thousands of products is drop shipping. Drop shipping is safe. You don't have to deal with like inventory taxes at the end of the year or setting on a whole bunch of product. So, yeah, you want to build up your social media and market and advertise, which is the part of it that I suck at the most. <laughs> I'm more of like the operational content creator, you know, get it done. But when it comes to advertising, I suck. And that's what the podcasting is with the books. That's what all of it. That's not my strong suit, but that's definitely something you have to do. I'd be a lot further along if I was good at marketing or, or if I ever meet somebody who is competent and who I can trust to do it, who's not just going to try to like, you know, bullshit me, which, which has happened. And, um, so, but you started with drop shipping is pretty easy. Shopify, everybody sells on Shopify. You can set it up, sync it up, and people place orders with your store. Then you go into whoever you're drop shipping from and order it, and then they send it for you. You don't have to worry about going to the post office or anything like that. Other than that, you have to find a designer to create something for you. You get your prototypes in, and that's a million different places you can get that done. And then you just, then you just take pictures of it and you put it in your Shopify store. If you're insistent upon having a brick and mortar location, which I don't know why you would do that, but the way things is going, nobody goes out in public hardly for anything anymore, but then you can do that too. But then you're going to have a million different bills that come along with the brick and mortar place, which so. Yeah. 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 No, I gotcha. Okay. Real cool. And then the expanding it, is it really on the advertising marketing side and like hatching a plan for that and like jumping on these podcasts, getting the book out there or there's some other plans for expanding the book. The thing about being an author, that first book, unless you're just really super connected, 
it is known that you you your first book probably isn't going to do all that super great until you write more because people want more than one book from an author and it's like books are one of those things like even people may not know you with book one but with book maybe like three or four when those gain popularity then people will trek back and then go buy the first one mm-hmm. so so it's about being consistent and having a lot to say yeah. <laughs> so and and then, uh, and then there's things that I didn't do with the first book. Like I didn't do like a pre-release. I didn't find, try to find like an agent. I didn't really push it to publishers. You know, with this third one, third, fourth one that we're working on, we're going to slow down and do all of those things. But I was just super emotional and trying to get it done and everything. And it was like, yeah. And that's another reason why by the time you write your third and fourth book, you know more people in the industry, you know how to slow down and do it. Because it's, it's, it's just a lot of moving parts. Yeah. I got you. Well, tell us about the top one to two skills that you could develop right now to make some of these dreams and goals come true. I could develop my skill at finding a booking agent because I know I'm not about to develop skills in marketing. (laughs) Uh, So I could, uh, because it wouldn't be a good use of time. Like somebody who's already good at it is better to go find. So I can, I can do my head hunting skills to go find the help. And then uh, other than that, just get more organized in general. And um and that and that is happening. So those are the two things that I could do. That sounds pretty like basic. Like why would he be organized already? But like I referenced, I I you know, I had to go to the mental hospital and everything this year dealing with the everything that happened with the with the last relationship that I was in. And then that threw everything off. Like majorly, like I had to file bankruptcy and all kinds of stuff this year over dealing with that fool. And so the basics is what I need to do. Find help and then just get organized, like with my spreadsheets and everything. And that will help me go a lot further. I got you. And what are the highest impact daily actions that are going to tick the needle forward towards your dreams and goals? Oh, yoga. (laughs) Yoga. Yin yoga is like my thing. And for those of you who don't know what yin yoga is, yin yoga is very still yoga. It may not be the most popular because you have to be very still. It's not like a, a yoga in motion so much. Like you might only do like five or six poses for the whole hour. Oh, wow. Like you sit still. It's kind of like a myofascial release the way it goes. And you just sit still and your body just loosens. That people's thoughts and emotions catch up with them. So people tend to cry, have emotional experiences and things that happen because they're not moving you got to sit still and so there's people who are may not be so fond of that because they don't know how to be still <laughs> but 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 that that really works to me because when i'm done my mind is a total peace it's like a quiet lake mm. so what was it like for you when you first started sitting still did you have that kind of uh discomfort in dealing with the emotion child pink pink said it best in one of her songs she said the quiet scares me because it screams the truth Mm, yeah (laughs) okay i remember specifically when i was a drug dealer being so lonely i hated having my house empty and i would give people free drugs and everything just to stay i wasn't sleeping with with these people it was just like i just wanted another human because i could not stand the silence okay 
but but when it but when it's but when I started doing it, I just had to cry it out, man. I had to I had to just face it. You know, I dream a lot, so I had to relive everything that I went through on those streets. You know, waking up sideways to bed, sweating in the middle of the night, thinking I'm running from the cops or from some dope boy. You know, I had to relive all of that. Not having a car, being a janitor, put me in like forced silence. People don't like to hang out with you when you're the janitor. I was looked down upon and judged because of the career that I had. And so, and so, I, I mean, the silence was there. I had nowhere else to go. Yeah. <laughs> and it was icky and it was uncomfortable. And I had to learn how to face myself and my issues and, and, and yeah, it, it, it was pretty fucked up, but we're good now. <laughs> More peaceful now. Oh yeah, I'm to all good with silence. Um, I'm in a time of purposeful isolation now, and, and and that's just when I'm intentionally not going around a whole lot of people, so I can do more prayer and meditating. Now I love being by myself. Yeah. <laughs> love it. I can control all the energy around me when it's just me. <laughs> My energy is great. <laughs> so. Oh, I got you. I got you. That's the thing about um life. Like you, you spend all your time if you're not careful working towards the wrong solution or just the wrong um, experience to hone, like a lot of people will trade their, you know, trade time for money or they'll trade time people pleasing or they'll trade time living it, doing anything for just any outside thing while ignoring the inside. And then they have that fear of sitting in silence. And it's like that peace that you get from actually sitting in silence. Like that's really what we're all going for. You know, like when we go out and try to get the money, when we go out and try to please people, when we go out, it's like, we just want that peace that you get from having an hour of yin yoga, you know? But after doing it a couple of times or a lot of times and facing the tears, facing the fear, facing the silence, facing the loneliness, because I think that is a way more common, especially nowadays, human experience than you would think. There are a lot of times when I'll be in a room full of people and still feel so lonely. And um, yeah, I don't know. It reminds me of the Billy Joel uh, or Piano Man when he's like, they're sharing a drink they call loneliness, but it's better than drinking alone. That gets me. Oh, that, that sounds fucked up on so many levels. I mean, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> what you're saying is true. Because people have it confused in their minds. And this I've taken a very, very harsh tone on my podcast lately. And it's hurt some people's feelings. But quite frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Because um, people need to be told stuff in a rougher way because the soft petting them on the head don't cut it. Yeah. Okay. Happiness is not going from one emotional high to the next, which means going from one activity to the next. I've watched people do this. So... Their day will be get up, play a video game, go watch a movie, go find someone to sleep with, go smoke some weed or whatever. All of those are activities. None of that had to do with setting and taking time to, to get to know yourself. Yeah. <laughs> all of those activities, going to work to make money, traveling, you know, posting all your fucking business on social media to no benefit to anybody else, but to showing off what you're doing is, is vanity. You know, and, and the Bible... The Bible talks about it like God not being happy with people for, from spending time in things that do not profit. And the way that the Lord looks at what's profitable is what's profitable spiritually, intrinsically, internally, mentally. 
God is not as concerned about your accomplishments as you are. Because, you know, the Bible talks about how you can um, take a whole city and still not have rule over yourself. And then the Lord says, if you don't know yourself, you cannot control yourself. He says that you are like a city broken down and without walls. Don't matter how much money you make or how many people you can go out and bone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gain the world and lose your soul, right? Precisely. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, what character trait do you most need to develop right now to make your dream life come true? <clears throat> Consistency. I've got to get back to being consistent with doing everything. And if there were one or two people you can meet right now, this could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd really help you take that next step towards your dreams and goals, who would they be and how would they help you? I need Oprah Winfrey and I need Madonna. <laughs> yeah. I need them because those two bitches, I mean, have given the entire world a masterclass on how to run businesses that have multiple irons in the fire at one time and maintain your composure, your humility. And everything, and they haven't all made perfect decisions, but they've handled their mistakes with grace. They've owned up to them. They didn't blame anybody else. It was what it was, and they did what they needed to do to make it right. They don't apologize for shit. <laughs> Both of them in their own special way tell you to go fuck off if you don't like what they're doing. Madonna yeah. a little bit more literally than Oprah, but, but basically. Yeah. Both of them are like, fuck off. Who gonna check me, boo? And the queen. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oprah is great for, she's, she's the media queen. I'm in media. She has a world of advice. Madonna, more on the entertainment side. I also write music and different things like that. You know, I've taught choreography. You know, I love to sing and dance. And so they both represent two extremes of my skill set. And it would be great to bring that all together. Yeah. Well, now we got our thriving three. So what's your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one of the three. Book, movie, our podcast a book my favorite book series is dune dune what's it about dune i don't know if you saw that the movie ver the second rendition of the movie version with timothy i think his name shaman that beautiful ass uh boy with the wavy black hair but it's about it's about religion but it's presented as a story of this planet called arrakis that is all sand and there's these worms that make this thing called spice which is like a drug and it gives people psychic abilities basically but it's all about religion restraint the discipline the self-control the ability to sense things and to perceive a minute in um in people's actions and reading things like that it's it's very very clairvoyant in nature but it really all boils down to like religion jihads uh, and things like that and uh, taking over like galaxies with like a religious thought really dune how many books are in the series in the main set i think it's like seven but the spinoffs countless it's kind of like star wars lord of the rings there's a shitload of fucking books but <laughs> but but the main look check the movie out Let's look up Dune with Timothy Chalmay. 
and uh it's fucking good and there was the original 1980s version of that that i think is on netflix right now the dune 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 is fucking sick it's really fucking sickening like in a good way like in california like sick dude sick oh yeah <laughs> oh it's a two hour and 35 minute film oh yeah brew you some tea boo you're gonna be there moment. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna be there moment <laughs> yeah we're gonna have to we're gonna have to check this out oh and there's a there's a part two coming out. Yep. Solid, solid. Okay. You got like, who is that? Zendaya is uh -huh. up there giving me life as she does. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, what is one way you like to take care of yourself? We probably touched on this, but if you have a different way you want to mention dying my beard this is a part of my self-care like right here i have the power to I change the colors i strip it out with uh bleach and i got all these colors and i'm gonna be giving y'all like some cheetah print and some zebra print coming up soon so be on the lookout for that so right here in my own bathroom there's my greatest self-care is there like is there cheetah print dye or do you have to like dye it with different colors and like do it meticulously like that. It will be a paintbrush and some different colors on the face. Yeah. I, I got you. Okay, there we go. And what's one action step you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it too? Meet and work with either Oprah or Madonna. Get that booking agent that I keep talking about so that they can connect us. <laughs> there we go. Because it's trying to send a song or a manuscript to somebody like that. I've tried all that before. It's just it just tends to get lost. You have to um have a you have to have like a, a back channel. There's this book called Giftology, and it talks a lot about um giving people giving high level people who may be hard to contact or who may be getting a lot of stuff gifts so that you can stand out from all the other stuff they're getting. So like, for example, this dude got in touch with Tony Robbins and he did it by getting Tony Robbins, the most expensive Cutco knives. But in addition to just, to just getting him the most expensive Cutco knives, cause that's something anybody would do, right? Get him some Cutco knives. He got the Cutco knives engraved with like a hundred of Tony Robbins best quotes or something like that. And that was like a gift for Tony and his family. And so Tony was in tears when he got this gift, according to the book. I did not see all this happen. But, um, you know, if you get people personal gifts that touch their heart, you may catch their eye as opposed to, you know, the, the regular old sending them your book or sending them this or sending them that. Just thought it's a two hour book if you want to check it out. It might help. Pretty fucking interesting. I'll meditate on that and see. The other thing I always try to balance out is like my success is not going to be determined by just one of those people. But so, but if I ever come across somebody who that stands out, it seems like I should do. But something like that would have been like smart because it has to be sent a certain way. Tony Robbins, though, probably also has a mailing address. Certain celebrities I've tried to look up do not want to be contacted. Yeah. Like there's nowhere to send anything to. Like um Tyler Perry, he didn't give a fuck about getting any fan mail. Like he just does not have a mailing address. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that that's where it's that's where it's difficult, right? You gotta send it to either the assistant or the spouse or the kid or something. Somehow you gotta find a way to connect it to him. But it, it does it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. But if you became best friends with Tyler Perry, 
or Oprah, that'd be kind of epic. <laughs> so that would be kind of epic. I'm gonna find out what that bitch likes. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Well, now we got our uh, final series of questions. It's all about um, limiting beliefs. So what is one limiting belief that continues to pop up in your life, if any? No, there is that I don't have limitations. <laughs> yep. No, I'm I'm too ascended for that. I spend too much time meditating and praying for that bullshit. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. Okay, well, the last question for you: What is your favorite belief about yourself? My favorite belief about myself, or by myself? About yourself. Is that I'm a highly spiritual person, that I'm super close to God. I believe that because I've invested time into him and into our into into cultivating my relationship with him. There yeah. is no there is I'm loyal to my calling and to why he has me on this earth. And that is my favorite thing because I'm clear on my purpose. I love it. Well, Devannon, that's all we got for you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, my dear. Of course. Is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off? Nope. I just I encourage your uh your fans and your listeners to support you to go to your website, donate money to find some kind of way to bless you. Find out Tim's gift, y'all. Send it to him. Send it to him. <laughs> <laughs> bless this man. <laughs> and where can people reach you if they're looking to find out more? Sexdrugsandjesus.com. There we go. Well, if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Devanna had to say, you want to check out some of his books, make sure to check out sexdrugsandjesus.com. That link will be down in the show notes. Thank you guys so much for watching, and we will see you on the next one. And on that note, we're out. Hey there. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a review and send it to a friend. Don't forget, head over to workwithtimmydouglas.com to get your list of life-changing questions and our free book, Impact Ignition, Live a Purposeful Life. See you tomorrow for another show.